This. This is, this is diversified, diversified, diversified game, game, game. game. A podcast giving entrepreneurial advice from a diverse and inclusive perspective with Kelly. He may agree, he may oppose, and it's more than just race, it's about, you know, ideas. So, let the game begin. Hey, it's Kellen, and today on Diversified Game, all the way from Perth, Australia, I know my personal friends from Australia will say, what, Kellen, who do you have? I have Charmaine Benoit, and I'm going to tell you guys, you have to see the film that she's in on Amazon Prime, for all you primers out there, called Black Box. This thing, I might not watch it at night, even though I did, but you know, this is America where we have a lot of guns, so things (laughs) We just shoot first and figure it out later. But Miss Charmaine, how are you doing? I'm very good on a nice Thursday night or whatever it is over here. So yeah, watching the sun go down. Very good. Awesome. While your sun is going down, my sun will probably rise on us (laughs) as we talk. And, you know, I I, want to get into, because this won't be your typical interview, I promise you, because I'm going to be real nosy. But what is, you know... The reports say you got into acting kind of, you know, you were going to school for music and then you took a class and you got into acting. Acting, music, all entertainment, it's hard as hell um, to make a living at, you know, this. How did you, you know, in your final years of uni say, I'm going to do acting and how did you make music and acting profitable? Yeah, um, well, I think accidents are sometimes the best thing. So I definitely didn't go in with, you know, that wasn't part of the plan to find acting. But um, yeah, while I was there, I just fell absolutely in love with it. Um, And I'm not sure I had a plan to make it profitable, but I think with a whole lot of passion, you could just do it. And um, yeah, I think it's just a matter of taking the small wins and, you know, a small you'd be in a production at university and then that might turn into a little part on this on Australian television and then it might turn into that. Um, but I also write and produce a lot of stuff as well. So that's helped me to kind of get my work out there in a way that was seen and then bigger opportunities were able to come and dot, 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 Amazon. Well, and, and the, the whole point of the show is to show how, you know, entrepreneurs, talented creatives, business people, start, sustain, and succeed in business. So somebody will say, wait, hold on. I have the same thing. I was doing music and then I, you know, fell in love with acting. But, you know, what was that first paid gig? Or did you have to do a lot of unpaid gigs just to get to that first paid gig? And what was that gig that made you say, oh, I can actually pay my bills on this? I think my first paid gig, I think my first paid gig came first and I can't remember, it was on some like, some crime show or something. And so that kind of made me go, oh, okay, I guess you can make money from that. And then, you know, it's always a bit of a thrill when you see your face on screen. Um, but then there was a lot of like unpaid gigs because I, I think I gave myself a time period of three months where, because I was at university doing it, I think that's a very different reality from doing it as your occupation. So I decided to give myself three months and take every single acting job known to man, whether it was like a music video or like just anything. And, and what surprised me, because, um, you know, I'm a diverse actor in Australia, which isn't as typically diverse on screen. It's very much changing and I'm very proud of my country. Um, but I ended up getting like 
15 jobs in this three month period. And it just gave me hope as to like, oh, number one, let me know that I really like it, even the, you know, cause all you see on television is the good parts, but there's a lot of boring hard work parts as well. Um, and then number two, it made me just go, okay. So I, you know, I'm building up a bit of a, a bit of a muscle for it and also building up a bit of a, a strategy for it as well. So. Okay. Yeah. So it, the first gig was in Australia and, you know, was it like a, was it the feeling that you got or was it the size of the check to say, you know what, if I get, you know, four of these in a year, I actually can make this happen. You know, which, which came first? Um, I think it was more the feeling, you know, and I'm a personal believer, like, um, you know, I still believe in like sound business plans and, you know, profit and loss statements and things like that. But I think, um, you know, I think where the feeling and passion is, like the money will come afterwards. You just got to, you kind of have to follow that for a while first, I would say. So, yeah. Now here in the States, we always hear, you know, people say, hey, I was an actor, I was homeless, I was living out my car, which is, you know, a real thing for entertainment because you have so many people trying to do it. Australia, I would say, for what I know, not as much so where everybody wants to be, you know, famous. People don't just, you know, want. At the, you can go to high school, how many people want to be famous? And, you know, majority <laughs> raise their, their hand. Um, you know, what type of pushback did you get from family, friends, you know, uh, classmates to say, you want to do what? You know, how big a stretch that is? Can you talk about that? Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think a lot of people thought I was insane. Um, it's and here it's definitely not. It's not like from spending time in LA. It's not the same thing where it's all about the arts and it's a viable career. <laughs> people like if you're a performer, you're more the minority over here, which I think is changing as well. Um, it's definitely becoming more of a hub for productions to grow in. But um, yeah, I think. I think it was interesting for me as well because I was a I was making money doing other things so it was a lot it felt like a lot more of a chance stopping like a regular check coming through to go and you know move to America and, and risk it so yeah people absolutely thought I was insane um but I read something that I really like today from Russell Crowe and he was saying like I'm not um, discouraged when people criticize me and I'm not adulated when people praise me. So I think you've just got to make sure you're in it for your own ends, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. And can you talk about, you know, um, some of those jobs you guys mentioned, she mentioned Russell Pro. So there's no beef between Australia and New Zealand. Um, <laughs> we just claimed him. Yeah. <laughs> but, but can you talk about, you know, some of those jobs that, you know, kept you going while making these goals possible? Well, I remember because um, when I was actually shooting my own web series over here, um, I, I kept like a full time like, you know, like managerial job. I was working for like, you know, quite a prominent bank over here in quite a senior role in one of their marketing departments. So I did that and I would, at nighttime, I'd go and act in a theater and in my spare time, we would shoot this series. And in my spare time from that, I would drive an Uber. So it was like, I kind of had like as many jobs as possible to kind of make my dreams come true. And there's many sleepless nights, <laughs> many. Now, did you also have any uh, paid music gigs while doing this? Because somebody could hear your story, go on YouTube and say, oh, I saw her on stages. She was in clubs. 
of course <laughs> she's already rich and so then she transferred into you know transitioned into acting uh were there any paid music gigs there were but they weren't exactly bankrolling me but you know that would be you know decent, you know you make a decent amount of money as a musician but it's not like I had like you know 25,000 rolling in per gig so but yeah I just did whatever whatever would bring in the money so that I could do what I wanted to and, and banking to the arts I mean what a stretch it's different <laughs> it's different um I definitely was different to my colleagues that's one thing for sure um uh, but you know it's actually I found it's actually been really helpful in life in general and also helpful in my career I think it's definitely taught me how to manage money well and it definitely taught me um you know it taught me the value of money actually and and the value of money being able to help you fulfill your dreams and then also um it's just helped me to be a bit more kind of strategic about you know and and have a bit of a plan when it comes to my career no definitely and you know um i i've read that you you know went to school for music how do you get a banking job? Because a lot of folks, you know, in America will say, how do you go for music? And they even give you the <laughs> job. Um, how does that work? Well, I, the, the degree I got when I graduated was like a business degree. So that was like the first one I got. And I think, but I've been playing music since I was 12 years old. So I've always had that in the background as well. So I would, yeah, after I graduated, I got several different jobs in that role and that field and, you know, time passes really quickly. And the next thing I know, I'm, you know, working for this bank and I worked for a number of different corporations like that. And yeah, I think I always kind of juggled both, but one win out in the end. Now, as I'm putting my creative hat on and I always knew entrepreneurship was for me. And then when I started getting, you know, real jobs, even, you know, I started working at 15, 16, but even lower jobs then I knew, entrepreneurship was for me. My, my grandmother was an entrepreneur, right? I, you, I got fired a lot from these jobs. <laughs> a lot of times creatives get fired a lot. So were you like the excellent bank worker or were you always kind of writing something on the side and they'd be like, you're not really meant for this long term. Or were you, you know, <laughs> the, the, the just typical bank worker and you fit in and you blend in? I don't know if I blended in, but I was like, I definitely... I never got fired from one of those jobs and I, I did my job well. So I don't know if it's just good acting or whatever, but like I was able to show up and still have all this stuff I was doing on the side at nighttime. And yeah, maybe it was just good like chameleon skills, but in terms of like fitting in, I don't know if I kind of like, I think my creative side always kind of went at one out in the end. Like I actually remember at this bank job, like I would, offer to DJ on Friday nights was such a weird situation. My life doesn't make sense when you say it out loud. <laughs> like, I was banking and then I was acting and then <laughs> it's very strange, but all very true. No, no, it's only strange to those who live inside of a box. I tell everyone, even when I die, which I plan it to be like in 80 years, um, don't put me in a box. I, it's total out the box thinking we don't live inside your world. We live inside of the world that God created for me. And you have to be in your box, your outside or box, but you know, it just, it, it, it's not weird at all. So feel free to, you know, tell those um, different stories because too many of us, you know, school kind of will brainwash you at times. That's what it's meant to do. Uh, yeah. I've taught from the college level to the, you know, uh, middle school, which is 
whoa, in America is something you don't ever want to do. Um, <laughs> wow. But, but when we talk about blending in, I mean, your background, you're born in Australia, but you come from, you know, Zimbabwean uh, parents. And I mean, I've held a billion Zimbabwean dollars um, before. Have <laughs> you? Yeah. I, and so I, and I felt rich at the time. And then my friend told me, you know, you can buy a Coke. Uh, <laughs> so if you could talk about, you know, you even fitting in or blending in or where do you belong? Because there's so many things in your life that I could, you know, pull and say, even if you're in this group, you're different because of that. And, and so can you talk about that? How do you fit in in a culture that, you know, it's not really a lot of people, I would say, like you. Yeah, true. I think it was, um, I think I had long periods of searching when I was living in Australia and just, and I think I had a very definite like vision or feeling of what I was about, where I was going, uh, who I was going to be surrounded with, but I, I, I often didn't have it around me <laughs> during that journey. But I definitely felt, when I moved to Los Angeles, I just, everything made sense like that just was my world I just was like oh you don't have to have a definition or be in a box that just and to be around creative people all the time and where people take it seriously and when you know we're acting like an Olympics I was just like oh this was what I was looking for the whole time and I'm glad I found it sometimes you never find it you know so it took all the way going to LA and I know you know you got the Heath Ledger scholarship that you know opened up a, a lot of doors for you um but before you got to LA, how did you, you know, mentally like, I don't fit in. Like, did you always have like maybe a connection of creatives outside of Australia? Or is there, you know, a group inside of Australia that just made you belong? Because a lot of people get depressed. A lot of creatives get depressed because nobody around them understands what they're talking about. Think about when the internet was created, you know, <laughs> and people say, hey, my music is going on the internet the internet what yeah you're crazy and that thing you know is the devil depending on who you would be talking to so how did you keep your sanity until you got to LA to figure out okay there are a lot of people like me well I think there was like a few um people over here that would like you know it doesn't have to be many friendships like that where people really understand you on a level but I think there was just a few really key ones and, and they were often established actors or had like 20 years experience on me or tried different things so I think I had a lot of like really sort of like unofficial mentor people that would kind of inspire me and encourage me to grow and had careers that I wanted and so I was happily to be lucky to be surrounded by that and then also I feel like um, I sort of like rather than focus on feeling not finding my space sort of made my own spaces like I remember when when I made um my series over here like I think that employed like 45 people so like I kind of created a space around me and other people who believed in what I believed in and and even when I was working at the banking jobs like crazy things like I would go to the bosses and say like hey on you know to help culture on Friday nights can I DJ and bring my equipment in <laughs> and they would just let me do it. So I kind of brought myself to all the places. So I never kind of felt lonely. <laughs> I'm not sure how they liked it, but. <laughs> and did you, do you always feel Australian or, you know, does any of uh, Rhodesia, aka Zimbabwe, you know, uh, having African parents, you, I know, you know, there's pressures put on you and that's why I'm like, oh, she had African parents. Of course, that's why she got into banking. <laughs> 
they probably made <laughs> yeah <it. laughs> explains that detour <laughs> yeah like how do you how did how did how do you you know go up in both worlds or do you just say i'm australian and my parents just happen to be from zimbabwe and i've been there but you know how do you deal with that this is such a lame phrase but i feel like a bit of like a I don't know, like a child of the universe or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, I think as an actor, you get very used to like not having a base. And, um, but yeah, the, like my Zimbabwean heritage is so important to me. And I feel like it, it shapes who I am as an artist and it's so important to my acting. Um, but so is the Australianness as well, <laughs> particularly in my personality. And then I, but I love the way like US, you, people from the US are just like, yeah, like really directional and like, I'm going to get that. And like, really believe in chasing their dreams and going for the stars. So I love like all of it. And I just think I steal from like the best from cultures, you know? Okay. So you're like taking from Australia, from Zimbabwe <laughs> and America. And, and, and that, you know, American dream. I mean, that's what, you know, we always hear in the media. It's really pushed. I saw, you know, on your social media, you were um, um, congratulating I say, you know, the vice president and the president, we do it in reverse. But <laughs> most people don't even know, you know, you're Scott uh, Morrison, you know, the prime minister here in America. You could give them a million dollars. They would not be. <laughs> no, no, I'm bad. <laughs> so, so you are really, you know, once you got to LA, you found a home, you, you say, but you, you go back to Australia. So what I know you have a place in LA with your guitars that you, you have and, and love. <laughs> You've done your research. Well done. <laughs> Got to. And so, you know, what makes you go back to Australia? Uh, my family's here. My friends are here. Um, the industry is here as well. I mean, there's certain projects and things. Um, I was due to come back here to do a play. It got cancelled with COVID, which is, you know, and, you know, think obviously COVID makes you stay where you are <laughs> for the meantime. Um, so, yeah. And, then, you know, I feel like it's, it was like a once a year trip type thing. So, um, but yeah, I think I'll always love Australia, but I really do love the, love the heartbeat of LA and, and overseas. Okay. Okay. That, no, I love to hear that because, you know, people come here to America and they fall right into it, but home is home and there's things that you can take here and bring back home. And I always push that for people for, especially Africa, because, I want to ask you, what do you think? And are you a fan of, you know, the African cinema? I'm the biggest Nollywood collector in America that doesn't sell Nollywood movies, but I just love so many things about the movies for, you know, now two decades that I've been just a collector everywhere I go in the world. If I see it, I got to buy it. BCD. <laughs> so how do you feel about, you know, African cinema? Well, I think the most exposure that I've had to it is Nollywood. And, and to be honest, it's usually when I'm like sitting in a hairdresser's chair and they just have it like kicking on in the background. But, you know, you sit there for an hour and then you're like, oh, yeah, what is this plot line? So um, but I just I see such great artists coming from there. Like, you know, if, uh, particularly in Zimbabwe, like there's other people like very good friends of mine, like Ritizio Mambo and Tongai Chisaria, I've just mispronounced his surname, sorry, but I, he'll forgive me. Um, but I think there's such amazing, like, talent coming from there. And I think it's, it's great when they're doing great things internationally and then you can always bring it back home, you know what I mean? I mean, for me, I'd love to one day go there and start something. And I think, like, as an artist and a creator, like, whatever you've 
been fortunate enough to to have you want to pass it on you know no definitely i look at it and i definitely have some movies that i personally i want to do so when you're ready to go i'll tell you how we can even have others finance some of that for us um you know um and i say that because to make a movie in africa is such a it's a cheap price i mean there's people you know spending twenty five thousand, you know some some less to create a, and it's just you know how much does it cost to create a film in australia or america yeah you say twenty five thousand, even for you know a small project i don't know about australia what, what's the uh, going rate or average rate for the films that you're doing right now Oh, I think it's pretty much the same. Like we're having a lot of like international projects come over here. So I think it's just the same. They just take advantage of the fact that the dog dollars a little bit cheaper. So, um, you know, I think it's 72 cents Australian is an American dollar. So they get like a really big break from that. And then I think the government offers production incentives as well. But, um, but yeah, I think, you know, my main thing about bringing movies to Zim, which would be amazing, is just what it would do for the people and all the entertainers who were there with aspirations and dreams who maybe don't have the opportunity to go to the States would, you know, I think you could just turn the place alive by creating that, that industry. Especially, pushing it. especially coming from the West where you're already like, I, I call it American privilege, but for you, it could be Australian privilege. <laughs> nobody hates an Australian accent and, uh, <laughs> yeah. and you open your mouth and um, you, you, you know, people, doors start to open that don't necessarily open for locals as quickly. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I just find that to be um, just a, a great thing that you can create. And also you don't have to worry about the union, you know, being in LA permits and union and this and that. <laughs> you can be you to create and no one no one besides police breathing down your neck you know and you pay them off give them a <laughs> and they they leave you alone give them a role or something <laughs> yeah. and i say in most of africa um in ethiopia and the tigray region they don't play that at all don't try that i have you'll end up you'll end up thank you word for it <laughs> So, you know, you said, a, you know, one of your projects got postponed to COVID. Has COVID opened up any doors, um, allowed you to write more or, you know, talk more with investors? Like, has there any been any positives during COVID? Yeah, no, it's been, I mean, I just think you just have to take change as it comes. And it's been, you know, a few things got cancelled, but things will start up again eventually. And also, yeah, it's definitely allowed me more time to write, um, you know, it was still great that the Amazon movie still came out during that time period as well. And I think it, it was better for, for the movie that people were at home and looking for something to watch in October. And yeah, like I think there's been many like positives as well. So yeah, and they're still unfolding, you know? Okay. Have you, and I want to, you know, talking about business, you know, what has been able to sustain you because we see like artists here, you know, Gabrielle Union talked about some of her actor friends, you know, um, not have saved. They bought Bentley, but they didn't put anything in their bankroll. And we've seen, you know, folks say, if not for OnlyFans, I wouldn't have my, you know, $6,500 mortgage I, I could pay, um, you know, and stuff like that. So what has been yeah. able to bankroll you or is it just kind of, I saved very well? 
Um, well, I think um, I definitely learned a lot of financial skills working at the bank. And so I'm very good at um, utilizing finances that come in and the ones and the stuff that I have already, you know what I mean? So I'm very grateful for that job. <laughs> Taught me that I like, yeah, I, I feel like it's an industry where you can go from earning nothing to earning a lot very quickly. And I think people sometimes get caught out, like you say, by just spending all your money as fast as it comes in. But that's definitely not my mindset. Oh, okay. It's, um, you know, it's, a, it's the African in you. Just, <laughs> it, yeah, I mean, like, I just think you have to treat everything in life like it's precious and, and just, you know, don't, don't be throwing away money on silly things. Now, I can tell you with knowing how creatives, entertainers, especially in L.A., Miami, New York, think, I mean, that's a business for you. <laughs> the show <laughs> manage their money because it's not like a wealth investor or your CPA. You're actually in the life, living the life, going to the same events and parties, you know, that they go to. But you're saying, you know, this is how you can better spend your money. So, man, we've created a whole possible another business. You guys bother, bother her, you know, hit her if up. If only I had time, but I, I do hear you. <laughs> I'd be very expensive for my services if I was to do it. <laughs> well, if they're going to spend it on a Birka bag, they might as well give it to you to, you know, really <laughs> put it in an, another, your bag and show how to, how to grow. <laughs> You know, you, you've gotten so many different awards um, from Australia. Um, L.A., you know, has recognized you. you. You go to the big events. To you, what has been your greatest accomplishment so far? Uh, yeah, I've, you know, I've been blessed with each one, but I think it would have to be um, being awarded, being the recipient of the Heath Ledger Scholarship. There's... Uh, just what that platform is and what it means is just such an amazing thing. I mean, Heath Ledger left an absolute beautiful catalogue of work and to even have your name mentioned in the same sentence as him is, is phenomenal. And, you know, that enabled me to really get a proper um, international introduction in the industry and get an amazing team around me and, and be able to put me in the position where I can be in, in films like Black Box and other things. So that was a real life changer. And, and yeah, and it also is where I've met a lot of my friends who were like finalists and, and, and the Australians in film community. So it was such a blessing. That would have to be the one. Now, allegedly, so people don't start, you know, really hitting you up asking for a loan. There's... <laughs> That's a $30,000 uh, scholarship. And people will say, oh, she got 30,000. She can help me during COVID. No, <laughs> it's been a minute. And you know, 30,000, even if she has it, it's all tied up. So don't go <laughs> money. But you know, you think that the connections were more valuable than the money and you know, the things that came with it um, more than just, you know, the funds that came with it. I would absolutely agree. Like, um, you know, and money comes and goes, but it, being able to get in those rooms and meet all those decision makers and just other great creatives is, is wonderful. In connection is part of this game. And, you know, you, you're, you're tied in uh, even behind the scenes. What is a better feeling? Creating your own like little sisters or is it, you know, acting 
and even though you acted in it too, but which one gives you more fulfillment? And if you had to pick one, not that you have to, because you live outside of the box, you know, <laughs> which one do you, you know, enjoy more? It would, for me, it would be the acting. Like I love creating projects. I mean, how the being a producer started for me was initially just to create opportunities for me to act. Um, and, but I think, the the more you get to know story, I think it makes you valuable in all areas. Like the better writer become, you become, it makes you a better actor. The better director you become, you start to think like an editor. So I think it's all very, very useful. But I think my ultimate love is just is doing the thing. <laughs> okay. And when you prepare for a role, what is your process to prepare for it? And because you play the villain and you play it well, <laughs> How do you get out of that? Are you just stay a villain? <laughs> <No. laughs> um, I love that question. Um, I think to prepare a role, it's just different every time. Like, I feel like there's always like one key to like unlock each character and you sort of have to go on this investigative journey to try and find it. Like, so one character, it might be the way they walk and you just discover them because you feel it in your spine. But another character might be the way they speak or it might be what they're going after or it might be their personal history. So it really depends on um, who the character is and, and just where where I intersect with that character. Um, and then for me, I think, you know, just trainings help to be, I'm very much like, I'm in it, I'm out of it. Unless it's like a real character that means like a, that really, really kind of, I mean, they all stay with you, but it really intercepts. Like, you know, I think that's what we do. We kind of, we go in, we go out. So, yeah. Well, well let's even go deeper because Black Box, you know, you are basically playing a dead person. That's what you're playing. And, <laughs> it, and you're alive at some points, but she, you know, that mentally, does that do anything for you? Because, you know, we've seen folks like Tupac, right? go into roles and some say never come out. So how, how does that, you know, does that at all, you know, when you watch yourself and, you know, even if you're, if you're, how much of your face is shown or not. Um, I mean, I could see your mother saying, please don't play that role. <laughs> yeah. I feel like I always get really like messed up characters to play. So, um, which I quite like, I think. Uh, anything that deviates from the norm a lot it's more exciting for me um but with that one and I mean I mean technically she's not dead so but she's obviously in in his little black box world but um but yeah I think it's like a deeply emotional role like I think you had to I had to invest a lot for that one so I do know what you mean about finding the separation but I think um as an actor you learn to be able to find ways to to separate from it and to to get some space from it as well. And then sometimes like you're physically filming in a different location as well. So you also have like a plane ride to help you <laughs> decompress, come back to reality. So, uh, but yeah, but while you're in it, you just want to be so in it, so. Okay, and you can totally get whatever character is out of you and just like, you can get, get back to who Charmaine is 100%. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel like characters leave some, like, re residual stuff, but I think it's more like a you give to them and you learn from them as well. So I think you take the lessons that that character gives you, which is such an amazing thing in life. Otherwise, if you live as yourself, you kind of really don't get that much insight 
and perspective in the way that you do when you analyze all these different lives. Um, and yeah, but then I think definitely there's, there, there's clear ways for me to, for me to separate, you know, cause it, like if you, I mean, technically, if you really thought you were them, that's kind of insanity, <laughs> but you, I mean, you're definitely like in them and connected with them, but I, you know, the process doesn't get too, too close, but I, I do, I know what you mean though, that there's some parts of characters that are hard to leave behind. Yeah, because some might be fun to play that you, you know, um, I, I, I really am going to pray for whoever plays Hugh Hefner when they make that movie, because I mean, what what kind of a life, you know, that that <laughs> was. And you, 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 you know, as a man, you're like, oh, I, I have a wife and kids, whatnot. I couldn't imagine, but I could imagine, you know, having <laughs> all of that around you, not to say that it's it's not my purpose. But many men would say, yeah, I'll take that life. So to get that off of you, whoever <laughs> ends up playing that role, I'm not going to do any, uh, do, do too much talking on that. Sometimes I know too much. But <laughs> with, with all your success that you have had, having and going to have, what is a community give back that you are doing or that you uh, want to do in the future? Um, well, the stuff that you say about building industries and helping to give other people the opportunity, that's absolutely of interest to me. Um, me, I like regularly help other actors with their dreams and aspirations. And, you know, even where I'm at now, just coaching people on what I've learned and what beautiful mentors and coaches have passed on to me and to help them to have the career aspirations that they want, particularly if they're international. Um, and yeah, and then just, just helping to, you know, I want to do everything to be a part and a contributor of the Australian industry. And I, and I think the biggest and best legacy that you can leave is, is stories that change people's hearts and minds. Well, if there's anything you want to leave the people with, I don't want them to get the game overload. I want them to go, you know, research um, your career. If they have something, you know, productive to say, to reach out to you and say, you know, whatever they'd like to say, maybe they want to say, you know what, I had a film and you'd be perfect for it. <laughs> you know, um, or, you know, they, they have a budget and they actually need your, you know, in front of the camera and behind the scenes. But if anything you want to leave with the people, feel free to do that. I just think, um, well, number one, thank you for being the entrepreneur that you are and helping share people's stories. Um, and I just think I'm like a real passion person. So if there is something in your heart that you've been wanting to do and, you know, have been afraid to follow, like I just, not that my words are going to matter to you, but I think just do it, you know, trust yourself and have faith that things will work out. And with enough like passion and hard work, like anything's possible. Charmaine, tell me about your uh, movie in Africa. Yeah. So um, earlier this year, last year, I'm very bad at remembering dates and places, but um, I shot a film called Trees of Peace, which is actually about, um, you know, based on true events um, or inspired by true events rather um, about these four women that survived the, the Rwanda genocide that really didn't happen that, that long ago. Um, and it's a very deeply moving film. It's yet to be released, but um, it, it's a stunning picture. And there's some great, I have my castmates, amazing performances. And, and yeah, I think it's, it's really important for me to tell stories that, that matter. And, and being an African person, I think that's such an important story to tell. When and where could this movie be seen? Like how long do we have to wait to see it? Well, it's currently in post-production. So I'm sure it'll be 
probably like the first half, second half of 2021. Who knows at the moment? I feel I feel really bad for filmmakers. As an actor, we kind of have the easy part, but uh, in this new COVID landscape, I'm sure it's very hard to finish a movie, get a movie out at the moment. So, so yeah, they're still in post-production, but um, it will be coming out. So please do check that out. It's called Trees of Peace. Okay, and, it, and is it possible that this could be a, a Netflix, an Amazon Prime, or will you put it on your own website? Could you say, I want to take the Dame Dash approach and control the narrative? <laughs> I don't know if I'm going distribution yet, but I'm, I'm sure it's going to be streamed at a, find a wonderful home to be streamed at. Um, and I'm sure it'll be very accessible to many people. Um, it's, it's such a great film. I'm very, very proud of being a part of it and telling a story like that. And where did you film it at? Uh, we filmed it, uh, well, it's com- combination because they've got some footage from R- Rwanda, but it was it was shot in a soundstage because this, you know, I don't want to give away too much of the movie, but the particular location we end up in is there's kind of one location to it. So, um, or one key place, if that sort of makes any sense. Don't want to spoil anything. Okay, but, but did you go to Rwanda at all or to, to film it? Um, our director did, um, our wonderful, um, lead actress, Eliane, she was, she's from Rwanda. So they shot some stuff over there. And then my proportion of it was, was shot in locally. Okay. And and I mentioned that because my audience, um, it was about two weeks ago, we put out our partnership with our partners who are taking 10 families by January to Rwanda to relocate and teach them real estate and so it's not just going to africa the program is to teach you how to make money in africa so yeah so i I love to hear that because rwanda has totally you know flipped around from what people saw on hotel rwanda and it's 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 open for business and citizenship if people want And so, I mean, it has the high, highest proportion of female leaders in their government. The, 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 the place is really, really flipped from what, you know, the, what the memories of it were. And I think it's just an amazing testament to the people that were there, that they live in harmony, especially when there's so much disharmony going on in the world right now. But I just have to say, I love how much stuff that you do uh, with Africa and how, how much you give back. It's a really beautiful thing. It's super important to me. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's a blessing. You know, when you say female leaders, how peaceful would the world be if the majority of the leaders were women? I think very peaceful, you know, like we saw an election with two white guys running and there's people in the streets and no one can agree on anything. And I think, um, you know, I'm so proud of Kamala and I think it's a really, really significant um you know, market a change. And I think hopefully it brings some more things, but, you know, you look at the prime minister of New Zealand and she's just killing it in terms of leadership. So maybe, maybe that's what we need. Well, no, I I wouldn't say, you know, maybe because even (laughs) Australia has had a prime minister that's a female and, you know, not that Australia always wants to go to war with, with people anyway. Uh, (laughs) You know, you guys are sometimes as peaceful as Canadians, but it, it, it just <laughs> like I just want to put that out there because we keep voting for the same people, at least in America. And it's like we got to mix it up. And, you know, yeah. and people always like to say, well, the female leaders might not be able to handle it. I'm like, what are they going to cry themselves? Oh, in the <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I think I think a lot's going to change in the next four years. Yeah. So hopefully 
will be more receptive to that idea. Your words definitely matter. Um, you know, anything positive, inspirational, nowadays especially, oh man, it's, it's, you know, it's like finding gold or a penny on the floor. It's worth picking up. So you guys have gotten the game. I hope you like, share, subscribe. We thank Miss Charmaine for coming on. As you know, we take stuff <laughs> offline. Peace, y'all. Be blessed. Thanks for getting in the game and listening to the Diversified Game Podcast with Kellen, the number one show pairing entrepreneurship with diverse and inclusive perspectives like wine and cheese, bagel and locks, fish and grits. Be sure to visit diversifiedgame.com for all the good stuff. Join in the conversation and discover more content.